crab fries. It was late 1970s in Philadelphia when Pete Chirachi was working at his parents' bar. Pete was looking for something to do with the secret spices left over from the summer crab hall, and he had the great idea to put them on fries. Soon after, he added a cheese sauce and a stadium food star was born. I'm Hootie, and you're listening to Hootie the Foodie. He may be 12 years old, but he's an expert. You're listening to Hootie the Foodie, Season 2. My guest today is a well-seasoned career chef, pun definitely intended. From Wolfgang Puck's Spago Restaurant in Beverly Hills to a pro sports stadium to winning Food Network's Chop. My guest today has brought his culinary expertise and passion to many places as a Japanese-raised French-trained chef. He also has a wicked crab fries recipe of his own that looks very satisfying. Chef Seisuke Kimura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Hootie. I appreciate it. Yeah. You have had such an exciting and diverse career in the kitchen. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally, and how did you learn to cook? So originally... um. I was born in New York, uh, Westchester County in Bronxville. Uh, my parents are Japanese. They're both born in Japan, and I was born here. Um, so I got into cooking, strangely enough, my parents. My mom used to cater uh, when I was growing up, meaning Japanese food. So this is going back to the 80s and late 70s. So it was kind of like not a very um, well-known cuisine, especially in New York. And so my mom had a partner and they were catering, but also too, as I got older, um, kind of like during middle school and high school, they partnered up and they also opened up a Japanese grocery store. So that's kind of how I got to learning my food roots in that sense, yeah. um, especially Japanese food. Yeah. But I went to cooking school because I was going to go the traditional route of, of college and I was going to actually play football. Mm-hmm. But I decided that, you know what, I, I don't know if I'm going to play, you know, I wasn't going to play pro most likely. So I decided on going with something that was practical at the time. But something I enjoyed. So I went to culinary school in Manhattan. Wow, that's exciting. So you're a French trained chef. What does that mean? So I went to the French Culinary Institute and that was a school in Manhattan and I um, on Broadway and Grand, which is no longer there, unfortunately. But I chose that program actually because it was six months. It was really short. And unlike you know, the CIA or some bigger schools, you needed some experience. I was coming fresh out of high school and I just wanted to get you know, started, you know, I was excited and I just wanted to do something. And if it didn't work out, you know, six months of my time wasn't that much. So lo and behold, I didn't know that the journey would continue. Um, but being that at that time where my mom was catering and a partner, they were really into French cuisine. So that was in New York. Those were the top end restaurants. So that's what they're always talking about. So I decided, okay, I really don't know what all this stuff is about. So I went to French cooking school and that's what I got my degree in and then started working for some French chefs. And I basically picked out the Zagat, which was like a guidebook. And I think it's still prevalent today, not as much as, as it was back then. And I just picked the best graded ones, especially where I grew up in Westchester County in New York. And I started going to those places, but mostly just strictly French places. So I started doing bistro food. And, and that's kind of what it means by being French trained. So I actually started working um, under French chefs early on in my career. Do you ever regret skipping college? You know, part of me sometimes does, but then you know what? I found a path that was good for me. And I think you've got to be comfortable with that because, you know, everybody in my family went to college and graduated. And in the beginning, I was going to go, okay, you know, I'm going to go play football. I was going to go to Wagner and go the traditional route like all my friends did. But you know what? Looking back now, I am kind of glad that I forged my own path because many years later, like I'm really enjoying what I've done or what I, what I continue to do, which is food. So part of me didn't know it at the time, but as I started, you know, embracing it, you know, part of that feeling of wanting to go to college, oh, I should have done that, could have done that. 
I think that path would have been very different for me. So I'm really happy with where I am right now. That's quite inspiring. What are your favorite foods growing up? So my favorite foods growing up was pizza. I think like most kids, I really love pizza <laughs> and, and sandwiches from the local deli. There's a place called Anthony's where I grew up and I really love those sandwiches there. But then as you know, my parents had the Japanese grocery store I was talking about in, in Westchester County, I started having a love for Japanese food. We had sushi and, and things like that, things that you think about now. But back then it was, you know, you really found out you know, where the fish was coming from. It was much more limited. So you're trying to get the best stuff. And so those kinds of things uh, were really starting to become important because also part of my background growing up American, but also being Japanese, you know, that kind of had a big, you know, draw in terms of who I am. And that's kind of how I found a little bit about myself, my culture and my heritage. Where along the road did you start a family? Basically, uh, when I was working in Los Angeles for Wolfgang, I met my wife at the time. Now we're no longer together. We're, we're divorced now, but I met her when um, I was working at Spago. She was a producer for the team that uh, won the Emmy award for Wolfgang Puck show, which was quite amazing. Wow. So I met her there. And so, um, and she was a producer there and then she's originally from Seattle. So I actually moved up to Seattle and then started a family there. I have four kids. Uh, my youngest is your age. You're 13 now, right? Or 12. Um, yeah. yeah. 12. He's uh, my son's 13. He's got a, a July birthday. So um, <laughs> I've got four kids. The oldest is 19. And I have one daughter and three sons. Are your kids foodies? You know, one of them is. Um, what's funny, they're more critics than foodies, I should say. They always critique my food like, oh, it's not that good. But I think that's just kids talking to their parents. Um, so more <laughs> critics than foodies. No, one of them is, and he, lo- he loves to cook. And I've done some videos with them growing up. And I think tried to instill upon them good food and, you know, that kind of value to it. So uh, I've done some shows with them or some, you know, TV spots where they were cooking with me. And I think they have an appreciation for, you know, what flavors are. And I think, you know, that, that's kind of a good thing that I wanted to teach them. What was your journey from starting out chef to where you are today? Wow, it's a good question. It's a long one. It's been a long journey because I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to try a lot of different things in the food career, meaning I've even done like retail and, and learned about different products and meaning selling teas and some, you know, Bernadeau, China. And I've learned a lot of things, even working stadiums, so large volume. I've done Amazon parties in Seattle, obviously working fine dining. I've also been executive chef for Michael Mina in Seattle, as well as Terrence Brennan. And obviously Wolfgang Puck, I was executive chef level for him as well. Now I'm doing private chef. So it's kind of like, as you get older and you evolve food, uh, you know, restaurants is always where my heart was at originally, but as you kind of have a family for me, that is took a lot of time and there's a lot of things you have to give up. Um, so I decided as I got older, you know, I think, uh, the private chef is more my track and a lot of my colleagues, um, that have worked in restaurants kind of transition there. So that's kind of where I am right now. It's a, it's a great lifestyle decision for myself. What does it mean to be a private chef? So I think it's funny because when I first mentioned that a lot of people think it's like you're cooking for a, a bunch of different clients and there's some that do that kind of do delivery and, and cook for different clients. I've been mostly working for individual high net worth clients and that's kind of how the track has been for me. So I'll work for a family for a few years and and they're all mixing shapes and, and different um, size families, but generally for one family or an individual. And that's kind of what I do and I and make their meals for them, whether it's lunch, dinner, sometimes travel with them if I need to. You're hired. How did you get into food cooking competitions? Well, it's interesting. Actually, when I was at the stadium, when I was the executive chef for the Seahawks at the stadium, my sous chef at the time, my executive sous chef at the time competed on Chopped. And she said, oh, do you want to try? Because they're asking about good people that would be good. 
you know, with some personality and can cook. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I interviewed for it. And then I got onto the first show, the tailgate fate one and, you know, won that one. It was great experience. So it was kind of nice because it was kind of a stadium show. They kind of dealt with regular stadium kind of fair for the basket, but then they kind of realized that I had more kind of chops, the producers in terms of, you know, working for Michelin star chefs and things. So it kind of transitioned to the other episodes like Chop beat Bobby Flay. How does it feel to go up against Bobby Flay? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because at first you don't get a lot of interaction, but actually the show, let me take that back. The show that I worked on with the Chop beat Bobby Flay was the first one of its kind for him. And he has his own production company. And obviously Chop is another production, right? So it's very interesting because I actually did spend a lot of time with him because they spent a lot of time because it was a brand new show for them. And Bobby has his own, you know, image and style. And so they talked about how the show should be. So it took a lot of time in between actually, you know, and I didn't even know that after winning that, it would be like a marathon show, meaning that it all took place in one day. Uh, Actually, the first round was one round. But after that round that I beat the first set of chefs, the second round, after I beat the second round, I went right to Bobby, which I had no idea. So I was kind of a little bit exhausted, but it was kind of exhilarating at the same time. But he's a great guy, you know, working on the show together and he can really cook. What is the most unusual ingredient you have ever cooked with? So I think it was in one of those episodes, actually, because it's something I've never seen before. And I've seen a lot of things, especially Asian, you know, Latin uh, cuisine. It was uh, the fish maw, which was a dried fish bladder. And that was part of the ingredient. I've never seen that before in my life. And so I did the best I could with it. And uh, it turned out not so bad. What did you do with it? Uh, I think I rehydrated and put in some part of the super sauce, I think. It was like a curry or something like that. Mm-hmm. It really looked like styrofoam. It smelled like fish. So I was like, okay, let me just rehydrate this because it seems like the most sensible thing to do. And just put in the soup and had some seafood kind of fish sauce elements to it. So it kind of worked out all right. Have you ever cooked with it again? No, never. I actually have kind of looked for it in the Chinese markets when I'm in New York. Um, I think I've seen something like it. Yeah, but I've, I've kind of looked away. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Chef Sis Kamimura. We're back to Hootie the Foodie. Welcome back to Hootie the Foodie. I'm talking to Chef Sis Kamimura. Let's talk about crab fries. Before we jump in, would you like to hear a future dad joke? Sure. I'd love to hear one. How do crabs get around on land? I don't know. Use the sidewalk. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) When were you first exposed to crab fries? So actually, when I'm at the stadium, right before the beginning of the season, every year, it's a a big event, right? So when I'm running the stadium, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, Basically, I have different chefs that run different apartments. There's concessions, which is the one that most people see, right, in the stands. Uh, Then there's catering which does a lot of the smaller events. It could be anything referees to, and then suites, which is obviously the sweet area. And so we have to come with menus that work for all those ideas and, and areas. But the most fun is always the concessions because that's where the, all the fans come and see it. So we're kind of thinking, you know, we're in Seattle. So what do people think about in Seattle? You know, Dungeons Crab came up and we have fries and, you know, we did some other things that year too. We did a beast burger, but the crab fries really stood out as one of the items because we want something a little bit higher end, right? So another person from another stadium said, oh, we did these kind of crab fries, but they were good, but they weren't great. So I'm like, okay, how can we make this great? Um, obviously, seafood and potatoes is, is a great combination. So it's been done before, but we took our little spin on it and used Dungeness Crab, little cream cheese. You know, I don't know if you've heard Seattle rolls, you know, they're always using cream cheese and things. So we kind of put yeah. those things together and we wanted to make it, you know, with food, 
you want to make things even in the stadium, right? Something textural. So it's something creamy. You don't want it too dry. You got the crispy fries for the most part. So, you know, kind of like a poutine, but it's a seafood kind of idea. So we kind of came up with that, add a little bit of old bay in there too, to kind of keep that East coast flair, which I'm used to, but also using the cream cheese to kind of keep it fluid. Uh, we also use some Borzon cheese to keep it even like a little bit garlicky. Cause you know, there's a, the Mariner stadium across there, they have a lot of garlic fries. Ivers does one of the companies does them. So we wanted to have, kind of compete in a way because they're such top sellers. So that's kind of how we came up with it, but it was a, it was a collaborative effort, but uh, we knew it was done before, but we just put our Seattle spin on it. Your poutine, so many ideas in my head. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Chicky and Petey's world famous crab fries? You know what? I'm not familiar with that. It's a restaurant that claims to have created the dish and serves it in 1977. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I have, owe them something, I guess. But yeah, I knew, you know, was, I didn't come up with the original idea. And I know that because they were doing them at some other stadiums, but I wanted to give the Seattle fans something different because they've never had it at that stadium before. And I thought it was a really great way to showcase, you know, some of the Seattle seafood with what would work well in a stadium. But theirs had no crab, but yours has crab seasoning. Now that sounds amazing. Thank you. In your mind, what key ingredient or ingredients make the dish? So obviously the crab, obviously the fries, but take that away. It was the cream cheese, uh, a combination of cheese. So it was a little bit of cream cheese and the Borzon cheese and a little bit of the Old Bay because it wasn't a lot of Old Bay, but enough to just give you, it's like, oh, what's that little seasoning flavor? And people on the West Coast, I, I obviously they knew what it was, but it's definitely more uh, traditional East Coast type of seasoning. What's the key to perfectly golden French fries? Oh, those... That's my old French chef today. A lot of work, a lot of blanching. So the key to the fries, number one thing that I learned is actually tasting the potato and what season it is. Sometimes it has more sugar, sometimes it's less. So you have to know how long to soak them for to take out some of the starch so it doesn't over brown and things like that. So that's part one. So you got to make sure they're soaked in water. Part two is, is the critical fry steps of getting it cooked enough. So when you refry the second time or third time, it's cooked through the center. But also, it's not absorbed all the oil. So when you fry the last time, it gets crispy on the outside. Are there any other interesting dishes you make with French fries? Other interesting dishes with French fries? Hmm, you're catching me kind of off. I've done like a Asian style, like kind of like a Korean style short rib. I like poutine because it has gravy, but you kind of like if you do a, a bulgogi kind of concept. Uh, a little bit of kimchi is kind of like the pickling agent on top, but use those on top of the fries. Uh, it was a restaurant that was... Uh, part owner in Seattle quite a long time ago. That was kind of a nice way to put some little different stuff on fries. Is there any food shows that you would like to compete in? You know what? I've competed in a few already. Maybe Guy's Grocery Games. That seems like a lot of fun. I think I might like to compete on that. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really fun. What type of main dish would be great to serve alongside crab fries? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, you could do it like a steak, like anything surf and turf. Because you can actually, you know, when you have like a nice filet and you have like a crab topping, you can kind of do that. So potato sounds a little bit heavier, but I think that would work really well. What's the most unusual thing you've stuck in a deep fryer? Oh, man. It was probably on chopped. It was one of those fritters that I did. And it wasn't so unusual, but like, I didn't know if it was going to work out or not. And actually, I won that part of the appetizer around doing it. So I wouldn't say so much unusual, but I wasn't sure it was going to turn out the way it turned out. How do you get those perfect knife skills that I see online? Oh, man, lots of practice. There's been a few cuts to these fingers, but yeah, just practicing and just, you know, when I was training as a chef, just lots of lots of vegetables. Like, here you go, here you go, keep cutting these. So just nice practice and just watching and making sure um, you keep your fingers safe.
Do you have any kitchen hacks? Kitchen hacks. Let's see. Let me think of one. My kitchen hack. I'm sure I have some. I'm trying to remember what it may be. You know what's coming to my mind because I've, I've, I'm cooking so much so often now. You know what? I, you know, it's not a kitchen hack per se, but you know when you roast potatoes. I don't think it's such a hack, but when I when I cook them, like so, let's say I'm roasting potatoes in the oven, like kind of like home fries or something to that nature. I boil them or cook them in the in the water with a little bit of vinegar that helps kind of soften them out and give them a little bit of acidity to it. Obviously, salt too, and, and maybe a clove of garlic. But I cook them just soft enough where it starts to kind of flake out a little bit, like a russet, just because that will make the crispness. But also, too, the other hack is to just make sure anything that you're cooking that you want some crispness to it. It's not really a hack, but make sure it's completely dry because any kind of water will not make it as crispy as you want to, even a potato. So that, that may be my my little hack. That's a great point. Have you ever had any epic food flops? Oh, too many to name. You know, there was a point in time where I was doing, you know, trying the like kind of like the. Um, you know what they call molecular kind of gastronomy and stuff. You know, I was trying to thicken something up. I finally got it right, but just trying to thicken stuff with carrageenan and stuff. And sometimes put too much and it just was like rubber, like super hard. But I kind of perfected it because, and you know, I keep bringing chop. But one of the things I did because I want to do panna cotta, you have such little time. So I was able to use enough and I kind of tested it out first to set the cream or the milk half and half. Or a panna cotta that just made a nice lid on top of some fruit on one of the baskets that I had. Are you working on any new projects or ideas? Right now, I'm actually working on, you know, it's kind of funny. With my private chef, you know, as I'm doing that right now, a lot of people want a lot of meal prep now these days, especially for the holidays. So looking for more creative ways of like, so frozen food, like they want to take their own and, and have it for the family and stuff especially if I'm, I'm away and things like that. So I'm kind of working on a menu right now as we were speaking right before I got on with you. I was writing some different ideas of things that, that people might like that could be frozen and, and keep its integrity once you heat it up. Can listeners find you online? They could find me by Instagram or my website. My Instagram is at Chef Sace and my website is chefsace.com where I share some of my recipes as well as the travel that I do to find some nice foodie areas and different cities that I go to. Chef Kimimura. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about your inspiring career and the famed side dish that is crab fries. To my awesome audience, thanks for listening. I'd love if you shared me with your family and friends. I'm Hootie, I'm Hungry, and you just listened to Hootie the Foodie. You've been listening to Hootie the Foodie. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review in your podcast app and follow on Instagram at Hootie the Foodie. Till next time.